0: Welcome to the Financial Dads Podcast with Paul Fagan and Jody Fisher. This is the podcast for all dads who want to succeed with life's topics, especially related to family and finances. Now here's my dad, Paul Fagan. Hey
1: Jody, how are you doing today? Hello, Paul. How are you? Doing well. Doing well. Fantastic. Uh, Today, we're going to discuss a a topic that's near and dear to my heart, uh, the hidden cost of home ownership, whether it's a condo, a co-op, or a single-family home, multi-family home. We're going to talk about the hidden costs that are lurking about uh, when you own a home. Uh, but first, uh, we're going to try a new segment uh, today. Uh, we're going to talk about some news that we saw uh, this past week. Uh, so the first story that we're going to talk about, and we'll post all these links up to the website, but the first story we're going to talk about was in Forbes, and actually it was quite interesting, Jody. It was talking about cord cutting which for you those of you out there don't know what cord cutting is cord cutting is when you uh, get rid of your cable and you go with internet-based entertainment the hulu's the disney pluses the the um the amazon primes of the world the Netflixes of the world um it's actually slowing down so less people are cutting the are, are going to those digital formats and are actually keeping the cord in place jody what's your perspective on this
0: yeah, this story was interesting to me, too. It, it said that a new report finds that the percentage of pay TV users remain steady in 2019 as opposed to um, decreases in the prior two years. Um, so, in other words, what they're saying is that it's it's stabilizing and, and not as many people as in previous years are migrating over to these streaming services. Um, we do both. I still have a, a cable subscription. Um, and the main reason I do, we have Apple TV. Um, Not not the new. We also have the new streaming service, but we have an Apple TV device plugged into our TV. So we're we're an Apple ecosystem home. Um, And it seems like the reason I keep the cable service is because it seems like every time I go to an app to, you know, watch the content that's on that app on the Apple TV, it says put in your cable provider. (laughs) So, you know, and, and I did the quick math on it and it was like, well, wait a minute. If I if I get rid of the cable. And I have to subscribe to each of these individual services, I'm probably gonna end up paying the same amount of money or more. So I just keep the cable. It's it's it it may be it may be but I'm overspending, but I'm probably overspending by like ten dollars a month, which is not you know huge for me. So and and there's a convenience factor there built in too. Plus I can watch I can watch TV on Verizon FIOS on my iPad wherever I am. I can watch live TV from there. So for me, that that system has worked and we're gonna we're gonna keep the cable.
1: Oh, that's very cool. Okay, so maybe this is one of those topics, Jody, that I think we could probably dig deep into a whole podcast, right? We could talk about streaming devices. We could talk about services. You bet. Explain everything. So I think that's something we'll uh, talk about on a future podcast. Um, The second story that I saw this week was also in Forbes. And it was around New Yorkers leaving the big city and, while they're leave- and why they're leaving in droves. And it's not just New York City, but they talk about leaving the big metropolitan areas to go to smaller communities uh, where the taxes are lower, the expense base is lower. Um, Jody, what are your thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, I read this article and it, it surprised me too. Well, it surprised and didn't surprise. You know, on the one hand, you think that people migrate towards cities um, and especially younger people migrate towards cities, you know, cities are more exciting. I certainly lived in New York city for a little while when I was younger. Um, but there are presumably there are better paying jobs there. There are more jobs there. There's things like culture and lifestyle and sort of all these exciting things that people, um, would enjoy. But, um, this trend seems to be that now people are migrating to, um, m- migrating out of those, uh, those denser areas. Um, And so that's interesting. It's something to watch. I think that's something that ebbs and flows over time. You know, it's like a pendulum. It keeps swinging back and forth. Um, You know, I know in New York City, um, watching it from the outside, as I do now, um, New York City has got its fair share of horrible problems. Um, You know, and I think a lot of it to uh, around the subway system and the mass transit system to deferred maintenance and things like that. I think a lot of people were asleep at the switch for a, a lot of years there. Um, and I so I think that may be part of what might be driving, in addition to just the cost of living in New York City, might be driving that here locally in our area.
1: Very interesting. Very interesting. Um, the third article, uh, it's a little bit of an older article, but I still think it's prevalent. It, it's uh, it's around uh, six things almost every parent does that set kids up for financial misery. Now we had a whole a podcast. Headline, That's yeah. a
0: great headline. Financial misery.
1: <laughs> so and, and they talk about things in the article that I think we've talked about in our in a previous podcast but it's worth kind of citing them is always saying yes when parents always say yes to the kids on anything uh, uh, not teaching the basics to the kids about money uh, paying for everything that the kid wants so there's a number of things in the article that are quite intriguing that we actually touched upon in our uh, previous podcasts, so I would encourage people to look for our Kids and Money podcast because a lot of it ties to that. Um, and I think for us, what we'll do is all three of these articles we'll post to our Facebook page, and uh, hopefully, if uh, please we're listening, we're looking for your feedback and commentary. So we'll post those links this week, and you'll see them on the Facebook page. And please reach out, and we appreciate your uh, support and getting a dialogue going with our listeners on the on these topics. So um, I think now that we've gone through the stories uh, for the week, uh, we'll go on to our weekly topic, right? Which is the hidden cost of ownership. Uh, I keep saying that hidden cost of home ownership, right? So um, my current situation is uh, me and my wife, we both owned a small condo and now we're in a larger home. There was a notable difference uh, between the utilities, the taxes, the maintenance that we paid in the condo as to where we are now in our home. So for example, the electric bill, which used to be way back when, you know, $100, $150 a month, um, in a bigger house, which I guess makes sense, it's almost double or sometimes triple, depending on the time of year. So we definitely see the difference between the cost to heat and maintain uh, and cool uh, a house versus a condo. And of course, the more grass you have to cut, the more money you have to pay for gas for the mower or someone to cut that lawn for you. So it does make sense that the bigger you go in terms of uh, your home, uh, the more you're probably going to spend. So, Jody, what's your current situation when it comes to uh, the hidden cost of home ownership?
0: Yeah, we've talked about this uh, uh, offline, Paul, a lot, you and I. Uh, I I take this... Uh, micro approach to our budgeting, our household budgeting, uh, you know, where every expense is tracked, it's scheduled and it's executed. And I know exactly how much money should be in every one of my accounts every single week, as close to the penny as I can get. And, uh, while I'm not, uh, I'm rarely to the penny, I am definitely to the dollar. Um, and, and, so, and I feel that that's important. And that's because I like to eliminate surprises. Um, but that whole approach started when we bought our first house, and I owned two, two co-ops before that. But when we bought a house, um, the one before this one, we saw all kinds of expenses just explode. Um, our utilities literally tripled. We had something like, you know, we had an oil bill, which we'd never had before. Um, we had two car leases at the time because we had no cars moving from uh, New York City, where you took mass transit everywhere. To now having two cars to need to get back and forth to places. We had new expenses that we never had before. And so we saw the potential for some really serious budget trouble that we could get into. Um, and I've talked about this in the past. I was even able to forecast serious budget trouble looking, taking that micro approach to budgeting and looking out over a year and a half going, whoops, that's going to be a problem 18 months from now. Um, Fast forward to today where there's not a bill or an expense that I haven't anticipated and budgeted for, you know, whether that's the house payment, the utilities and the maintenance or car payment, the operation of the cars, um, everything right down to the gift fund and, and kids expenses too. Um, and so I guess the point that I want to focus on today is that when you own a home and you have a family, There are literally hundreds of things that can sneak up on you and kill you. I mean, they will, from a budget perspective. I mean, (laughs) they will just, they will just grab you by the throat and not let you go until you, until you take care of them. Um, So you got to watch out. Planning is really important. Assessing every expense is important, and executing a budget plan, super, super important when you own a home. Um, And Paul, I think we're going to run down a couple of those things now. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And I think you hit upon something. In your discussion Uh, that you pointed out, I didn't think about, and that's the unforeseen expenses. So maybe that's uh, a longer commute. So now you have to pay for additional commuting expense. There are a lot of hidden, and that's why I guess why we say it's hidden costs, right? Hidden homeowner costs, right? So it might be beyond home ownership. It could be that now you have to park at the train station, and it might be six hundred dollars a year to park, or a thousand dollars a year to park at the train station.
0: So I'll give you mine. Ready? So we we moved from New York City to uh, the suburbs of Long Island. Um, I went from having a roughly one hundred dollar a month subway, you know, unlimited subway card. So and, and the math was if I swiped it like an extra two times a week, which I always did, uh, I was beating the system. So I went from one hundred bucks a month to adding on four hundred dollars a month, four hundred dollars a month to ride the Long Island Railroad. So my commuting expenses went from $100 to $500 overnight, plus the $75 a year to park my car at the train station. And that's just commuting expenses.
1: Yeah, that is amazing, right? And I think that's why we have some friends that still live in the city. We have a mutual friend that lives in the city. Uh, Once again, I always say we'd love to get him on this podcast, we probably never will. Uh, But (laughs) he lives in the city. And I think he, he has the same rationale. If he moves, and I've had this discussion with him, hey, why don't you move to the suburbs, right? Now, he works in the city. His wife works in the city. He's raising his kids in the city. The idea is, and, and he's very astute financially, um, he realizes, and he always has this argument with me, is if I move to the suburbs, it's another car, and I'm going to have to commute back and forth, and it comes not only down to the financial cost, but the time cost. The time is so suck. big
0: on time. He is so big on time. Yes,
1: we could both yep. agree on that. So he sees the benefit of him being able to wake up, get to his work within you know less than twenty minutes, and back home as a value add. Absolutely. And I think okay. that's also key um, when it comes to the hidden cost of ownership is your time. Are you going to spend? Once,
0: he once argued with me about the the value of actually taking his laundry to the laundromat and having someone do his laundry for him, and he expressed the value in dollars, and he explained it to me, and I was like, "You're right, man." We really. <laughs> He's, we really got to real. get him on this. He's we'll real. never get
1: him here, but if we ever could, that would be like that would be like the that would be like our rock star moment if we can get him on the podcast. It would be oh, quite man. amazing if we can get him on. But anyway, we, we won't uh, digress uh, uh and and, and wish uh, it'll probably not happen. But you're right. There's a lot of these different things, and if you talk to different people about it, and also the further you move away, the more your costs and time are going to come into play. But why don't we dig into the the actuals, right? So kind of the meat and potatoes of where we think the most costs of the cost of hidden home ownership lie, right? And I think the biggest one that always comes to mind is taxes and insurance, right? When you rent an apartment in New York City, for example, or rent, uh, you're paying uh, renter's insurance probably, and you're paying your, your rent, right? But then when you get to a home, uh, your taxes, all of a sudden, you got real estate taxes, you got your homeowner insurance with your property insurance. Uh, What are your thoughts on this, uh, Jody, when it comes to taxes and insurance?
0: Yeah, we've talked about that uh, in a prior episode too about um, uh, how that payment, that house payment can balloon out um, and that uh, it's not necessarily cheaper to buy than to rent. Um, A lot of those things, like taxes and insurance and stuff, can be factored into a rental payment uh, when, when you're renting. Um, and it changes when you go to something like w- when we were in like a co-op, you know, we had a mortgage payment and we had a uh, like a like a homeowners association kind of payment, a co-op payment um, where taxes were figured into that. Then when you move to a a single family home situation, you've got the mortgage payment, you've got the interest payment, you've got the taxes and you've got the insurance. They call it a pity payment, P-I-T-I. And, you know, cue the violins pity. But, um, <laughs> you know, it, it that number is the biggest number that you'll probably spend all month. And that can be a huge number. I mean, we went from the house we were in before this one to this one. We cut that payment significantly, and it's still a big payment, and it's still far and away the biggest payment that we make every month. So if you don't properly assess that going into that, and don't forget, because when you buy that home, you're in it, (laughs) you're in it until you sell it. You know, you can't turn around and go, oh, never mind, I'll just leave. You can't just leave. Um, you know, extracting yourself from, from a house is, is extraordinarily challenging. So, um, you've got to properly assess that before you go into it, or you're going to find yourself in hot water.
1: Yeah. That, that's a great call out, right? Is the, is the repetitiveness of that payment. So if you're, if you, if you move from place A to place B and you save $3,000 a year in taxes, you might say, well, that's not a big deal, right? But you extrapolate that 3000 a year over 20 years. living in a home or longer, that's a big savings, right? So you're saving all that money over time, right? So all these expenses get extrapolated because if you make that cut in terms of cutting your expenses down, in terms of having a smaller home versus a larger home, et cetera, so when you go to buy that home, that's all money that, like, to your point, you're going to lose over a 20-year period, 10-year period, 30-year period, right? So you're going to be paying that much more, on those uh, costs of services and taxes over time. So, and I think the same thing goes for utilities. I know in my home, and I said this at the top of the podcast, uh, gas and electric in my home is not too bad. It was much cheaper in the condo. But when I've looked at bigger homes, I've always had this desire, and I've said, I, I think I've said this on other podcasts, I've always had the desire to buy a bigger home at some point, if if the numbers work. But it, a lot of things a lot of times when I look at those numbers, I look at everything in aggregate. So it's not just the cost of me selling my home and buying a bigger home. It's when I get to that bigger home, if the property's bigger, it's going to it's gonna take more in maintenance to maintain the lawns. If it's going to take more money to maintain lifestyle within the house with keeping it heated and electric because you're going to have more and more space to heat and, and, and keep lit, right? So it's all these little things that come in an aggregate. So a lot of times... That's held me back from saying, hey, let me just go buy another home. And you, to your point, Jody, moving is not cheap. And I think you probably saw this firsthand because we did talk about your situation when you moved from your uh, larger home to a smaller home. There's that transaction cost. So like you said, it, it's very hard to kind of move from the home, not only because you got to pack everything up and you got to move everything, But it's the transaction costs that you're stuck with with the realtor fees and all these things so when you make that decision to buy that home it's even more important than ever to take a look at your situation and say do i need this oversized home do i need to buy something so big and maybe you can but it comes down to making sure you watch for these little hidden costs of ownership
0: yeah, absolutely. And, and the utilities are this next biggest thing you're going to spend your money on in any house, um, anywhere, uh, right after that, the, the house payment that includes the taxes and the insurance, um, you know, and put all together, you've got to figure out what it's going to cost to operate that home. Cause you can't just move into a house and then not have air conditioning, not have heat, not have, you know, I, I put, uh, things like cable and all that stuff under utilities, you know, The the stuff that makes the house actually operational, something like, like an alarm system, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. many people have an alarm system in their house. There's a monthly cost to that. In addition to an installation cost, that's something you didn't have when you were in an apartment or, or, or somewhere else. Um, so there's another monthly expense that you need to figure out. I mean, we had, like I said, an oil bill, um, that we never had before. Our electric bill tripled. Um, and then we had things like alarm and everything else. Um, the other thing you have to worry about when you move into a house, out of an apartment and into a house, um, is the, the just the 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 upkeep of the house. And you talked about the lawn as an example, Paul. But things that break in the house, you've got to fix those. You don't get to call a super, and and fix something that that just has broken. You got well, you got to either do it yourself, or you got to call somebody that's going to cost, that's going to charge you three hundred dollars an hour. Um, and that has driven me. Um, I've always sort of been interested in that stuff anyway, but that has driven me to be, become extraordinarily resourceful and, and, and learn a lot about how my house works right down to things like being able to rerun electric, being able to do things on the roof and, you know, structure. And the only thing I'm really not good at is doing doors. So I did hire a guy to put some doors in. Um, it's just, it's something with the level. I don't know. I just can't do it. But, um, You know, things break in a house, you know, whether it's a light bulb that goes out and you got to know how to screw a new one in. And I think we all know people who don't know which end of a hammer to pick up. (laughs) That's right. Um, But um, but but you got to know how to fix those things that break on a regular basis in your house and then be prepared to pay. Even if you're doing the work yourself, pay for those things that break. I mean, if a doorknob comes off in your hand, you don't get to call a super and say, hey, my doorknob broke. Bring me a new doorknob. You got to go out to the store and get a new doorknob and then put it on.
1: Oh yeah, that makes sense, and I think you you hit it on the on the head. It's it's not only break fix, it's break replace. So Absolutely. appliances. Yeah. I know in my home we've been through. We're on our third microwave, second dishwasher, second refrigerator, second washer and dryer,
0: second stove. Yeah. So we've already run through. And that's not all the unusual. appliances. That none of that is unusual. To me, to my ears.
1: Yep, and right? those are the cheap stuff breaks replacements, right? I have not gone through, let me knock some wood here, that I have not gone through the central air, the boiler. I have gone through a hot water tank, so we're on our second hot water tank. That wasn't so bad, it could have been much worse. It leaked from the top than from the bottom, so I don't know if any of you are familiar with the way water hot water tanks work but if they if they start leaking from the bottom you could flood your basement or wherever that space is
0: you will no no not you could you will (laughs) yes yes
1: and when it leaks from the top um thank god it leaks from the top right and that's what happened to us so we have but you know it was one of those things and it happens when you least want it to happen and when you least expect it right and so another story i talked about is on christmas eve a couple of years ago we had a backup in a pipe in, a pipe in our basement and it, it started flooding the basement. Luckily, um, we were able to get a plumber to come out, uh, to come do the work. It actually happened to be the owner of the company. And uh, he came out and, and I couldn't believe it because when I met him, I didn't know it was him. <laughs> I said, wow, you're working Christmas Eve. He goes, he goes, I sent all the guys home and you're a customer. He goes, so that's customer service, right? That's customer obsession, yeah. right? And he took care of it for me snaked out the drains. But these are the kind of things that if if you're living in a high-rise apartment, you probably don't have to worry about, right? So it's that replace, uh, break-fix and break-replace syndrome that you go through. So I think that's important to kind of touch upon. Um, Now, there are other things that we can go through which are even more of a major home repair beyond the heating system could be a new roof, right? It could be your foundation. It could be mold that develops in your basement, right? Now I'm I'm really getting crazy here, but these are things that are the gotchas that could get you for tens of thousands of dollars when you least expect it.
0: Yeah, exactly right. And I think those, you said it right, Paul, that those are sort of the extraordinary scenarios. Um, And they're all things that may or may not happen. And, uh, you know, mold is something that shouldn't happen as opposed to, uh, you know, uh, an air conditioning system or a heating system breaking. It's a machine. Eventually it's going to break. And you're going to eventually going to need a new one. It just depends on it's a matter of when um, and if you keep it up, you know, you'll you'll keep more life in it. But even the cost of keeping it up, that costs money over time, too. Um, it, but it's all these things, I think, in the aggregate, going back to the where you started, Paul, in the aggregate, all these things get extraordinarily expensive. That doesn't mean and we are not saying. It means that you shouldn't do it. What we're saying is, you need to go into home ownership with eyes wide open, and try to assess all of these things um, that are going to cost you money over the course of living in that home, and then make sure that you're doing everything you can to drive the cost of that down uh, as best you can, and budget for it, and be prepared for it.
1: Yeah, that, well said. Right, we've talked about this in past podcasts. Um, well-established emergency fund is a must. When you own a home, um, the 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 other topic that I'm going to switch gears to is the add-ons, the hidden cost of home ownership. I know in our case, we put a generator in the house after Hurricane Sandy, and, but before that, we put in a fence around the backyard that was several thousand dollars to put a fence up. Uh, we put the kids jungle gym in the backyard, another cost of of hidden cost of ownership. Um, you know, so these are the kind of things that when you're looking at buying a home, look at the home and make sure that you're accounting for things that are not there that you're going to have to put there. I always knew when we bought our home that we would need a fenced-in backyard. I didn't realize how much the fences were till I had to go buy one <laughs> and have it installed. And so that's another thing is do your research. So if you're buying a home, and we touched upon this in a previous podcast, But if you're buying a home and you're surveying okay i want to buy this home making sure beyond how much of the hidden costs around taxes insurance how much is going to cost the heat and add electric you know and not add electric but have electric in your home what's the average monthly bill that the previous owner might have had think about the things that are not in the home that you're going to want in the home whether that's a major home repair a major home improvement like a new kitchen new bathroom Um, and we talked about that on a previous podcast. I looked at a house that I'm glad I didn't buy because that house was significantly more money than the house we're in now. And it also needed a significant amount of work over time. It would have needed a new kitchen. It would have needed a new bathroom. Um, we could have lived with what was in there, but over time we would have wanted to revamp those. So those are all key decisions that, and key things you have to look out for as you're going through this cycle. What are your thoughts on that, Jody? Jody.
0: Yeah, uh, agreed. And I think that the most important thing you can do when you're going to buy a house is talk to someone who's already owned a house and listen to them and ask them questions um, and get their advice. Um, You know, having a stubborn personality myself, I can identify with the people who say, I know what i'm doing i'm just gonna go i'm gonna go do it because i can figure it out and i know and it, it's not you know and i'm gonna show everybody i can make a decision that's really dumb <laughs> that's a really dumb attitude to have be humble especially when you're making this huge decision you know and presumably you're not buying the house by yourself you've got you know you're married you may have kids um you may be in a committed relationship whatever that is um, you know there are other people involved in your decision So don't make the decision on your own. Don't even just make it with your husband or your wife or your, you know, whoever. Um, Make the decision with eyes wide open and write all this stuff down. And, you know, ask everybody, you know, is there something I haven't thought of? Is there something that you've encountered over the course of owning a home that you ran into or when you first bought your home, you didn't realize that this was going to happen. Um, you know, talk to the realtor, um, talk to people in the neighborhood, um, talk to your family, talk to your friends, ask questions and, 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 you know, know that there's no question too stupid. Um, because if you make a mistake in, in buying a home or getting into this, this is a financial arrangement. If you make that mistake, like I said, it's 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 so hard to extract yourself from that mistake or right size that mistake. Um, you're going to pay, and if and in some cases you could pay more than you can handle.
1: No, that makes sense, and it prompted a, a thought when I was first looking for a home before the home we're in now. Um, we were looking at a home that needed that was very small, great neighborhood, but it was a small home needed to be expanded, and we did all the things that. I think you talked about which led us to not buy the home or hesitate enough where it was probably a good decision not to buy it. And I did things such as I brought a contractor to the house to say, "Okay, if I want to blow the roof off this thing, how long is it going to take and how much am I going to spend? Right. And he gave me some great rules of thumb. Right. So if you have to pull the right resources in. Same thing. We looked at another house. I brought the home inspector in. He looked in the basement. He saw water lines along the bottom. He said, hey, you might have water issues here. Okay, we walked away from that house. I had a dear friend of mine I used to work with, uh, and he went through a whole home renovation project where him and his family lived in the basement while they were building out the second floor. It was crazy. And he said he would never do it again. <laughs> he said, but he loves the home he's in. So there's, to your point, you have to ask questions, reach out to friends, reach out to family, ask for help in terms of, Am I making you know the right decision? You don't want to overthink and get analysis paralysis, but you want to do your due diligence to make sure you're jumping into everything with eyes wide open. Whether absolutely,
0: it's- and that and that basement story with the water lines is is a great example. Um, the fact that you brought someone in was able to diagnose a potential problem. You could have looked at that and said, "Okay, well, how much is that going to cost?" "Oh, really? All right, I can afford that. Great, we'll still buy the house and then we'll fix that problem." The point is, is that you would have gone in knowing. That that was a potential issue, and and that's I think what you and I are trying to drive at in this, Paul, is is that you have got to go in with as much information as you possibly can, um, and not and not go jumping in saying it'll be fine, because I guarantee you it's not going to be fine.
1: <laughs> oh yes, and, and it's funny you say that because something's going to happen. The home <laughs> inspector gave me, you know, saw that issue, gave me the report. I contacted a uh, a drainage specialist, right, to come over to take a look cuz I we really like the house, right? So we wanted to give it the old college try. Okay, like to your point, how much is going to cost to fix this? And I remember the guy coming in and looking at it and walking around the property with him. And as soon as he said the word, well, we'll bring in a backhoe, I said we're done. We're done. As soon as I heard backhoe, I'm thinking big construction equipment, this is not for me,
0: right? I'm see not now, looking see Now there's there, okay, the difference there is that I would have heard backhoe and said, ooh, when can we start? <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I was done. Everything else was a blur, right? I, I don't want to hear backhoe in my house, right? <laughs> like, and so I knew that it wasn't for us. I didn't want to go through the risk. I didn't want to go through the, the hassle. It was just something not to go through. Um, you know. But, but once again, to your point, we've talked about the doom and gloom. But I do want to point out that there, this is what I would call a two-way door decision. Right, And you went through this, Jody, and I have a dear friend uh, and colleague that I work with. A shout-out to Gaurav. We actually talked about the podcast this past week, and we were chatting. And congratulations to Gaurav. He's buying a new townhome for him and his family. And we were chatting about this while walking to dinner. And the whole idea of thinking about what your needs are, and he really sat down methodically thought out, what do I need out of a home? And for him, he didn't want maintenance, right? He didn't want to cut lawns. He needed a home that was big enough for him to grow his family, um, et cetera. He made the right move. And I said to him, even if at the end of the day, something happens where this isn't the right place for you, it's always a two-way door decision. You could always get out of it, right? Now, there might be some monetary loss. There's some hassle. We know it's not good, but you could always likely get out of it. And I had another friend of mine who lived in New Jersey, bought a condo, and uh, this is probably at the other end of the, of the spectrum. His condo association wasn't very good, and they had construction issues with the condo complex. So that being said, he did eventually sell it. He did sell at a loss, but it was probably way for the better. You kind of put it behind you, and you move on. Right, So that's another important point. If you're in a home situation where the costs have become overwhelming, whether it's monthly utility or you find that you have to do a catastrophic home repair, etc., it's always a two-way door decision. There's always a way out. It may not be the most pleasant at the time, but don't let it get worse. So don't wallow in a bad decision. If you're over your head, don't get further in. If you can, if you have to get out as soon as you can. And I don't know what your thoughts are on that, Jody, but it is one of those things that if you think you're getting, uh, below water in a current situation, when it comes to a home, don't stay there. Right. You have to do and make drastic moves to get yourself out of that situation.
0: Yeah, that was us. We did it. You know, we did that. Um, and and I would argue that don't get into, if you can see it coming, don't get into it. If you ask the right questions, you'll see it coming. Um, all you described, you know, walking the property and and seeing problems with a home that you were interested in buying. You walked away for the reasons that you decided on walking away for. Um, Asking questions is the most important thing. But but also and also just being being honest with yourself. You know, don't fool yourself. Don't don't try to convince yourself that it's going to be all right. Um, You know, shutting one eye and, you know, jumping off the cliff and hoping it's going to work. Um, be realistic about it. And so uh, assess all of those hidden costs that are going to come up with owning your own home. And then just like any other project, you know, factor in an additional 10%, um, and write it down on a piece of paper and let the math do the thinking for you. Um, if the math isn't going to work out, you can't get into it. um, because, um, the math won't lie. Science doesn't lie.
1: That's great, great great. going into, uh, I think we'll go into our recap, kind of summary recap. And I think you you might have recapped everything already, but I'm just going to go to like the major takeaway for me today was doing your due diligence ahead of buying the property to write down and assess the hidden cost of ownership. So once again, we've talked about this on previous podcasts, whether it's a spreadsheet, a Word document, a legal pad, a piece of paper, Jot it all down, jot your questions down, and then reach out to the experts, Google and search for articles, whatever you do need whatever you have to do needfully to become informed and become an, an informed homeowner or potential homeowner. So Jody, what are your takeaways from today?
0: Eyes wide open, go in with eyes wide open. ask questions, write it down, plan for it. There shouldn't be any surprises. There will be surprises. Let me take that back. There will be surprises in owning a home. Minimize the surprises as best you can.
1: Thanks, Jody. Well said. Well said. Well, Jody, I thoroughly enjoyed our discussion today, and I'm personally looking forward to the next one. Thanks, everyone, for downloading our podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at financialdadsgmail.com at or check us out on Facebook. Just go to financialdads.com. So, with that, This is Paul and Jody reminding you, managing finances can be stressful, but that's why the Financial Dads are here to help you plan for success. Have a good one, everybody. Be well, and thank you.